0: This is the APS China Monthly, November 2021. The Briefing The Cost of Going Green China's efforts to achieve carbon neutrality by 2060 have led to an energy shortage that may worsen as the winter season nears. Coal prices have doubled from March levels following government policy to reduce carbon-intensive industries and coal production. While Beijing is not likely to back down from its long-term climate goals, short-term easing measures have been enacted to limit negative economic impact. More options for foreign investors The CSRC announced qualified foreign institutional investors can now trade commodity futures, commodity options, and stock index options. MSCI has listed access to hedging as a prerequisite for expanded inclusion of China A-shares in its emerging market indices. And this is yet another step in China's capital market liberalization plans. Housing for Living Not for speculation. A new property tax trial is set to begin earlier than expected, as part of the country's common prosperity policy to curb investment demand and improve housing affordability. The scope of the new trial will likely be larger than the existing plan in Shanghai and Chongqing and remain as a progressive tax. The measure will add further pressure on the property sector. Vocational Education in Focus The central government issued a new guideline promoting the, quote, high-quality development of vocational education. This is seen as another step along the country's path to becoming a technological superpower, as priority is being given to training in key growth industries, such as advanced manufacturing, renewable energy, and artificial intelligence. Monopoly Breaking Alibaba is now offering WeChat Pay on several of its apps as China's new anti-monopoly regulations take effect. Other e-commerce companies such as Meituan and Pinduoduo have followed suit in allowing competitors payment options. Alibaba CEO Daniel Zhang said in a recent technology conference, quote, As we explore deeper the connection between different industries and technology, we saw that, rather just tackling commercial challenges, we have to turn our focus towards shared social problems, unquote. And now, the APS China Monthly. The Digital Renminbi, China's Escape Route, by Tan Yam and Jai Haochiong. The first government-issued paper money in history known as Jiaozi, was introduced around the turn of the 11th century during China's Song dynasty. Jiaozi replaced the cumbersome chains of copper coins merchants had to lug around. About 1,000 years later, China might again lead the world in becoming the first major economy to introduce the next form of money, a central bank-issued digital currency. As of mid-2021, pilot tests of China's digital currency, known as the eCNY, have been carried out in major cities such as Shenzhen, Suzhou, Beijing, and Chengdu. More than 10 million users have been invited, and 21 million individual wallets opened, facilitating about 71 million transactions, totaling CNY 34.5 billion. Consumers have tested the use of the eCNY in some 1.3 million places, in both online and offline scenarios around food, shopping, education, healthcare, travel, and government payments. The wider world will get a taste soon, with international visitors expected to take part in a major pilot of the eCNY at the Beijing Winter Olympics in February 2022. Officially, the ECNY caters to the demand of mass-market consumers for a safe, convenient, and accessible method of payment in China. Unofficially, the ECNY consolidates the power of China's central government against internal and external players. Domestic Considerations After a laissez-faire approach to regulating its burgeoning internet sector, China began clamping down on anti-competitive behavior, wasteful capital spending to fight price wars, abuse of data, and other regulatory violations in 2020. The cancellation of the Ant Financial Initial Public Offering in November 2020 marked the beginning of a stricter regulatory cycle the central government was furious to see government officials and friends of Alibaba founder Jack Ma receive large allotments in the IPO. It also worried that Ant posed a systemic financial risk. Where payments are concerned, China is looking to gain control over the smartphone e-payment revolution, hitherto spearheaded by Alibaba and Tencent through the duopoly of Alipay and WeChat Pay. With the eCNY, a credible, widely accessible alternative to Alipay and WeChat Pay can be built. Smaller transactions may not require a bank account or even the internet. Large transactions will meanwhile still be tracked, aiding President Xi Jinping's attempts to tackle corruption and money laundering. While the People's Bank of China currently intends for the ECNY to coexist with paper currency in the foreseeable future, China has the option of outlawing the largest renminbi 100 note, invalidating the remaining cash hoards stored by corrupt officials. By regaining control over payments from the tech giants, policymakers will have access to a goldmine of data. They will also have another reference point from which to monitor economic information in real time and implement monetary policies accordingly. Alipay processed over USD $17 trillion in total payment volume in the year to mid-2020. Because of its sheer size, Ant possesses a significant amount of consumer credit data that can be used to evaluate creditworthiness and real-time consumption patterns. However, Ant has been reluctant to implement measures such as requiring consumers to agree to data sharing as a condition of using their services, which would allow Ant to more freely share user data with regulators while meeting China's data protection standards. The eCNY will also make China's state-owned banks stronger at the expense of Alipay and WeChat Pay. The eCNY is set up as a two-tier system. China's central bank will maintain control over the issuance and cancellation of the digital currency. Selected, trusted traditional banks and internet banks will be responsible for implementing and distributing the currency to consumers, setting up consumer e-wallets, innovating around payment products, and expanding the eCNY's use case. Theoretically, banks are not needed to establish the use of the ECNY. With the ECNY's launch, traditional banks can be disintermediated, with the central bank taking over a larger share of deposits, thus disrupting the credit creation mechanism. However, China does not intend for interest to be paid on the ECNY. This suggests that the PBOC does not intend for the ECNY to replace bank deposits. The banks have every incentive to help regulators implement and promote the ECNY. Threatened by WeChat Pay and Alipay, the ECNY represents a chance to regain market share in financial products and services. The PBOC is thus implementing a, quote, divide-and-rule policy at home. External Considerations Other than strengthening the hand of China's regulators at home, the ECNY is a timely counter to the rise of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and other digital currencies developed by U.S. tech players like Facebook. Shortly after Chinese demand pushed Bitcoin past USD 1000 for the first time at end 2013, the PBOC began a formal project group on digital currencies in 2014. In September 2021, China banned all cryptocurrency trading and mining. China is worried about risks posed by cryptocurrencies to the monetary system, such as capital flight cybersecurity risks, and excessive speculation. A significant financial threat also comes from U.S. big tech, namely Facebook. Facebook originally proposed a cryptocurrency named Libra in 2019. Libra was meant to be backed by a basket of assets. The proposal immediately rang alarm bells at regulators around the world. With 2.9 billion monthly active users as of mid-2021, any payments initiative by Facebook could enjoy widespread adoption and threaten monetary sovereignty. Libra has since been renamed Diem and will be pegged to the U.S. dollar. China will not want to see a U.S. dollar-based cryptocurrency gaining acceptance among the Belt and Road Initiative countries it has painstakingly cultivated. Compounding its fears is the fact that Facebook is a U.S. private enterprise, answerable to the U.S. government. The Superhighway and the side lane. Beyond countering the rise of external digital currencies, the biggest reason behind China's development of the eCNY is that it wants to lay the foundations of a system to escape the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Officials, however, are keen to downplay the ECNY’s geopolitical aspects. Former PBOC governor, Zhou Chiiaouanan, a tech-savvy administrator who played a key role in the ECNY’s development, told a Peking University’ seminar at end 2020 that even while China and its neighbors can start using digital currencies for cross-border transactions, the internationalization of the UN, quote, should not be overly promoted, unquote. The U.S. dollar's reserve currency status has afforded the U.S. immense political and economic clout. It is akin to a superhighway which most businesses around the world use to travel. The U.S. controls the highways, gantries, and toll booths, and does not hesitate to use its dollar dominance to impose economic sanctions on enemy states such as Iran. Even financial sector players who flout sanctions rules are punished. In 2015, French bank BNP Paribas had to cough up USD $8.9 to settle claims that it violated U.S. sanctions against Sudan, Cuba, and Iran. BNP Paribas was willing to pander to the U.S. because the consequences of not playing ball are harsh it could be prohibited from dealing in dollars forever. China was not spared from the long arm of U.S. sanctions in 2018, the year former U.S. President Donald Trump unleashed a trade war against it. In December 2018, Meng Wanzhou, the daughter of Huawei founder Ren Fei, and its chief financial officer, was arrested by Canadian police in Vancouver as she changed planes. Her alleged crime was fraud for not disclosing to HSBC that Huawei was doing business in Iran and hence violating U.S. sanctions laws. She was only released in September 2021 after a deal was struck with U.S. prosecutors. The U.S. has also used its sanctions law to make life inconvenient for Chinese officials and lock them out of the global financial system. U.S. sanctions in August 2020 reportedly caused Hong Kong chief executive Carrie Lam to end up with piles of cash in her home. She had to receive her salary in cash, as no bank can do business with her. What is dangerous for China is that the U.S.-China trade war, which has morphed into a technology war where certain high-tech exports to China's semiconductor companies are banned, Can spill over into the financial realm. Should tensions escalate, the U.S. can impose broad ranging financial sanctions on Chinese banks or Chinese companies. Given how deeply intertwined China is in the global economy, the consequences of blocking China from accessing U.S. dollar payments or the global banking system can be devastating for China and its trade partners. Wide adoption of the ECNY. China's trading partners can establish a thriving side lane alongside the US dollar superhighway. Pilot tests on cross-border payments will take place at end 2021 between China, Hong Kong, Thailand, and the United Arab Emirates. Over time, China will be able to trade with more countries without having to go through the US dollar. BARRIERS TO BUILDING THE CHINESE SUPERHIGHWAY While China's side lane will chip away at the US superhighway's dominance, we do not expect the ECNY to replace the dollar in the foreseeable future. Despite China's importance in global trade, seen in its 15% share in 2020, the Chinese renminbi only accounts for 2.4% of cross-border payments globally, compared to 38% for the US dollar and 37% for the euro. The Chinese also have no interest in replacing the US dollar with the renminbi. To become the world's reserve currency, China will have to allow its currency to be traded freely in global financial markets. This implies that foreigners will need to be able to easily hold renminbi, trade it, and use it. However, Capital currently cannot flow in and out of China easily. China's administrators fear a highly volatile exchange rate and capital markets, as well as speculative attacks that can destabilize its markets and economy. China's financial markets are not well-developed enough yet to mitigate the risks. The Future of the ECNY As China's capital markets mature and deepen, it will be a different story. The above fears will less likely be justified. China might eventually stop managing its currency and allow the UN to float freely. It is also possible that BRI countries will enjoy significant benefits by using the eCNY as a reserve currency. In this scenario, China's market share of global payments can then begin to close the gap with the dollar and euro. For now, the ECNY serves a more prosaic approach. Through the ECNY, the PBOC can regain monetary control from domestic and international tech players. Far from threatening the reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar, the ECNY is a mere escape hatch for China in case the U.S. decides to weaponize the dollar against it. Looking beyond the next 10 years, China's economic, technological, and military prowess will more closely match the U.S. What happens next is difficult to predict. If China's economy is far larger than the U.S., only then might it want its currency to play a more important global role. By then, central banks around the world might also like to see the ECNY play a more important role because holding it will diversify their risks. Ultimately, China's eCNY experiment has a good chance to succeed domestically and be a role model for other countries. This is given the high rate of technological adoption among its citizenry and the sheer ability of its government to execute its plans. A thousand years from China's invention of the paper banknote money's next revolution is at hand. Professor Tian Kon-Yam is a founding member and deputy chairman, China, of APS Asset Management. He is also professor of economics at the Nanyang Technological University. He serves as a board member at the Chang'e Airport Group, 2015 to present. From 1985 to 1988, he was the chief assistant to Dr. Keng Sui, the late deputy prime minister of Singapore, who was invited by Mr. Deng Xiaoping to advise China on economic development strategy. From June 2002 to June 2005, he was a senior economist at the World Bank office in Beijing. In 2004, he was a member of the World Bank Expert Group on the 11th Five-Year Plan from 2006 to 2010, for the State Council in China. He served as the chief economist of the Singapore government from 1999 to 2002.